wonderful singing, and I hope that you have tuned your heart to hear from the Lord, and that's why we're here today, is to worship Him and to be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful for our musicians, Eugene and the leaders, and and, uh, Terry and singing that song, and thank you all very, very much. Uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse uh, 14, before we read, I just want to say two things quickly. Uh, On the 30th, when we have trunk or treat, that is a Sunday evening, we will not have Sunday school that evening, and we need a lot of you to help decorate your trunks and bring candy uh, so that when the community comes, they will have uh, plenty of trunks to visit. And so see Brother Joey about that if you would, but make note of that. We're not going to have that. And secondly, I'd like to say, and I hope I don't embarrass them, probably will, but a special congratulations to Kyle and Ashley. They got married yesterday, and so newlyweds, God bless you all. And uh, we're happy, thrilled for you, and congratulations. Uh, Church, God bless you. Let's read the Word of God. Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Father, we love you and we thank you because of Jesus and the supreme sacrifice of dying on the cross and that he was buried and he arose from the grave, that we are even able to be here, that we're able to sing, that our sins are forgiven, that we're able to declare who we are in you. Lord, it is a blessing and it is grace and we thank you and it is mercy. I just ask you, Lord, for these next few moments to calm our hearts to open our hearts and our ears that we might hear, open our eyes that we might see the truth in the word, that we might be changed, that when we leave this place, we go out more like Jesus Christ than when we came in. Father, I pray right now for our folks. Many are sick and hurting and suffering. And Lord, I just ask you to provide comfort where comfort's needed, uh, help and strength where strength and help are needed. And Lord, we look to you because you are everything to us. And I pray now that you would help me this morning to just clearly speak the truth of the word. Lord, I ask you for your power and your strength. And Lord, we always want to praise you. We want to give you glory. And we love the name of Jesus. It's at that name that every name 
It's that, that name that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. And Lord, we love that name and we pray in the most precious name of Jesus. And amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. <clears throat> there are many churches to choose from today. Many churches. I think on my way from my house to here, I counted one time that I passed 13 churches between myself, my house and here. 13 churches to choose from. That's pretty big. And many churches emphasize many different things. But what are the marks of a church that glorifies God? Because ultimately, in the end, it doesn't matter if you have the most talented praise team. It doesn't matter if you have the most attendance or the biggest buildings or the most possessions. The greatest following on Facebook and YouTube and all that garbage. None of that stuff matters. What matters is, does this church glorify God? Does this church glorify God? And as Paul unravels here for us, I think there are four marks given in the text this morning of a church that glorifies God. These four marks are not exclusive. I mean, this is not the exclusive list of the scripture of, a, of what a church needs to do to glorify God. But these are four marks that he gives us of a church that glorifies God, a ministry that glorifies God. Because listen, you can be a ministry and you can be a church and not be a ministry or a church that glorifies God. And so we want to be careful and make sure that we, in fact, are a church that glorifies God and that, in fact, we see these marks in our lives. What does he say, first of all, is the first mark of a church that glorifies God? Look at verse 14. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. The first mark he gives of a spiritual or a, a church that glorifies God is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. The longer I'm in ministry, the longer I'm alive, the closer I get to the Lord and seeing him face to face, the more I see that spiritual growth is imperative for the functioning and the survival of a church. Numerical growth will only last as long as that generation does well. And there's a generational gap. If you look at all churches, all churches at some point peak at some time and they diminish. And some that were once churches, uh, there's a church in Huntington that was once the thriving church in Huntington. And now St. Mary's Hospital owns that church, a very large building, church building. It's closed down. And we all know stories. We all can see stories. Numerical growth will not sustain a church. Spiritual growth has to be present in the lives of the believers. What does he say here? Well, he says there are three things concerning spiritual growth. He said, I am confident concerning these three things. First of all, you are full of goodness. This term literally means full of uprightness of heart. It's important that you and I understand that we, it is more important for us to be than it is to do. We represent Christ. 
And we are to be known as being full of an upright heart. To be right with the Lord. To be, that is more important. We put so much emphasis on serving and doing and doing and serving. Listen, our service and our doing has to be an overflow of our relationship with the living God. And that begins with being full in our hearts of doing the right thing. In our land today, culturally speaking, society doesn't even want absolute right and wrong. They want to blur. They want to think things that are bad are good and things that are good are bad. The Bible says that the day would come when men call evil good and good evil, and that is today. But we as church folk, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't have to walk in those things. We don't have to be like the world. We can be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the marks of spiritual growth is that we're literally full of uprightness of heart. The second thing he says is filled with all knowledge. Filled with all knowledge. Full of knowledge and understanding. I know that we have so much to deal with. In my life, I, had, uh, I used to be an avid reader. I love to read. And, um, you know, through the last year or two, the technology has taken me away from sitting down and focusing on a long, big, thick book. Because I want something for five-minute stimulation, five-minute stimulation, five-minute stimulation, five-minute stimulation. And we live in a world that, of TikTok. My daughter told me last night, I get my news from TikTok. I went, okay. Um, and, and I'm thinking of this. We live in that, and these, these technology gurus understand this. They know that they can control your attitude, your mind, and your thinking by clicking every few minutes. If you don't have time to meditate and think on things, they can put things before you that you would never take in your mind. And they're doing it ever so subtly. And we're not catching it. I've decided that I'm going to force myself to read again. To get out of the habit of mindless wasting of time that amounts to having a knowledge of goofy stuff that means nothing in the world. As Christians, we ought to be growing in our knowledge of the Word of God and our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I in the community, I am shocked by people who claim to go to churches that know very little Bible doctrine. I'm not shocked, I'm appalled. And we're arguing over the periphery of things that matter not. And we're missing the big picture. Do you know that there are underground churches all across the world who meet secretly and they only have pages of the scripture in their language and so therefore they memorize the scripture and then they change pages with each other so they each can get a working knowledge of the scripture most of us in this congregation probably have two or three Bibles in our homes. And the biggest thing is, Pastor, I would love to read the Word of God, but I just don't have time. Well, let's go to your iPhone and let's look at your screen time, and then we'll have a discussion on that. 
We're not fooling anybody, guys. Our spiritual growth is hindered because we don't read the Word like we used to. And we're okay with it. One of the marks of spiritual growth is a full field, a full knowledge and understanding of the Christian faith that was once delivered. And then he says, the third mark of of spiritual growth is able to admonish one another. This word able, the Greek word is dunami. You know what that sounds like? You got it. Dynamite. Well, it's dynamite, I'm sorry. Dynamite. That's where we get our English word dynamite from. Able means power. And Paul says to these Christians, you're able to admonish one another. Admonish means to warn, to exhort, to instruct. Sometimes it means to encourage. Paul looks at this church at Rome and says, I have confidence that you have grown in your spiritual walk with the Lord, that you are able to admonish one another. But, oh, let's talk about that for a moment. Nobody wants to be admonished by someone else, do we? No one wants someone to come along and say, listen, you shouldn't do that. The Word of God says you shouldn't do that. We don't want that. That's indicative that we're not growing spiritually. I mean, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, listen, you're going to stop this or you're going to die. <laughs> don't you talk to me that way. You're not going to talk to the doctor that way. You're going to say, tell me what i got to do to live. Tell me what i got to do to live. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, well, talking about a good doctor. Well, his, his bed manner is just not real good. Well, do you want someone that's going to fix you, or do you want someone that's going to send you nice words of encouragement? I want to be fixed. Are you with me? I don't care if he's gruff. I don't care if he has terrible bedside manner. Just get me fixed. And that's what we've got to get to in our lives. We want to grow spiritually. One of the marks of a church that glorifies God, the people are growing spiritually. Growing spiritually. Number two, verse 16. That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Notice this next phrase. Ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The second mark of a church that glorifies God, they preach the gospel. Now listen to me. You and I have to get over this notion that the gospel was a one-time thing that we believed in to be saved. Look at verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. The Apostle Paul says, this is something worthy of my reminding you. We preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again. Why? Because it is the gospel that has the power to save. But not only that, it's because of the gospel that you and I have the power to live. It's because of the gospel that you and I can sit in this auditorium, stand in this auditorium, and sing those hymns and those songs. 
It's because of the gospel that you and I can even read this book and understand anything about it. Why do I say that? Because the Bible teaches us the natural man cannot understand the things of God. The person that's unsaved can't understand the things of God. Until he is regenerated, until he is born again, then he or she can understand. So the gospel is paramount not only to our salvation, but to our sanctification. Being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ daily. It's the gospel. Well, okay, why? Well, we know the power to save, but to whom? To everyone. To everyone. Notice what he says in verse 16. That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Now, let's just go back and talk about Paul for just a moment. How many remember who Paul was before his name was changed to Paul? He was Saul. What did Saul do? He persecuted the church, right? The early Christians. Why? Because they weren't, what? Jews. So now, Christ has radically changed him, and he's sending him out to reach people that are not Jews and preach them the gospel. The people that he perhaps one time referred to as dogs. He now loves and is taking the gospel to them. May we never get in our lives, in our church especially, where we think we're too good for any sinner. May we never have that in our minds. Shame on us. One of the marks of a church that glorifies God preaches the gospel and preaches it to everyone. Regardless of their social standing, regardless of their background, regardless of what sin they might be participating in, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And we should love people enough to preach that. The gospel is at the center of everything we do. It's not just some little plan that we recite and believe and be saved. It is everything. It's everything. And a church that glorifies God is centered on the gospel, making sure that not only do we preach it to the lost, but we preach it to ourselves daily, reminding ourselves of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You want to know why sometimes you still deal with those old sins and you still battle and, and, and fuss and fight over those things? I'll tell you why. Because you don't preach the gospel to yourself every day. If you'd remind yourself what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary every day of your life, you would realize that that sin has no dominion over you. So the gospel is imperative. And a church that glorifies God, not only do they grow spiritually, but they preach the gospel. Number three, they operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. We have become in our churches easy, easily, uh, easily, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Easily impressed with ourselves. We've become in our churches where we can do in the flesh the functioning of the church. 
We've become to the place where we can stand in the classroom and teach in our flesh. Maybe on the way to church reading our Sunday school book, getting a few things and going in there and we can fuel, fool some people sometimes. In our pulpits, we have become good at telling stories, showing slides and keeping you entertained. We can do all that in the power of our flesh and miss and miss the power of the Holy Spirit of God who wants to work in us. Jesus Christ wrote in the Gospel of John, or John wrote of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Jesus said, I'm going away, and if I don't go away, I can't send another comforter. The word parakletos, one called alongside. Another means another of the same kind. He is not only going to be with you, but he shall be in you. You talk about dynamite. We have dynamite inside of us. The Holy Spirit of God. And here... A church that is to glorify God operates in the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a great insult? The Lord gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts. And then we in our flesh glorify ourselves and do the things in our own power. And we have the results and we think, oh, these results are great. Man, the whole region knew from Jerusalem to Illyricum, they all knew. They all knew about this gospel. Why? Because miraculous things were happening. Why were they happening? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We must guard against ministry in our own power. You know, talented people can do talented things. And talent in the flesh will not glorify God. It is the greatest insult when God gives us His Spirit and He gives us a spiritual gift and we ignore that and do it in our own power. It's saying, God, I don't need you. I don't need your Spirit. I don't need your gifting. And actually, we do. We do. And you know, God knows we can be talented and we can be doing all this and have the accolades of men. But God knows if we're relying on our talent. And God knows if we're relying on the power of God. It should be our heartbeat in this church. Every one of us that serves, no matter what we do, we want to serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want God to enable me to preach the Word of God. I want God to enable me to do whatever He wants me to do. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I care what God thinks. I'm not going to stand before you on the day of judgment. I'm going to stand before God. And more specifically, Jesus Christ. So the church that seeks to glorify God operates in the power of the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing He tells us is they seek to reach the lost. The bottom, the last sentence of verse 19, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and so I have made it my aim 
to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. The Apostle Paul had a heart for lost people. He wasn't traveling. <laughs> His desire was not to travel to church to church and, and, and do our modern day revival thing. His desire was to go and take the gospel where no one took the gospel. His desire was to go into the town and the bad parts of the town that nobody wants to go to because they don't want those kids in their church and reach them with the gospel. Some years ago, independent fundamentalists, they had a heart for God. And they started a bus ministry out of a desire to reach people with the gospel. And somewhere along the lines, it became a one-upmanship. We have four buses. They have five buses. And we had this many on our buses. And they had this many on their buses. And, they, and the glory of God departed from that ministry because it was all about what we had rather than those lost souls and reaching them with the gospel. Why are we not making greater inroads in Portsmouth and Scioto County if we have all these churches? Why are we not doing more to reach the lost? Did you ever think about that? And all the giveaways that churches do, why are we not impacting this community greater? At one time in Lawrence County, my dad was a, an insurance agent there, and one of the insurance people had done a study, and the number one industry, they classified any kind of business as an industry, in Lawrence County was churches. Not that the church is a business, but they classified it as a business. If that's the number one business in that county, why are there so many unsaved people in that county? See, church, we can have the fanfare and we can have the parades and we can have all the stuff. But if that's not a means to the end of reaching people with the gospel, then all we're doing is wasting our resources. If you send a missionary across the world and they go and they build huts and, and houses for people, that's great. But if they don't share the gospel with them, it's not doing them one bit of good. You're better to have the gospel and have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and not have a house than to have a house and not have the gospel, not have God in your life. Paul sought to find areas in which the gospel had not been preached. Why? So he could preach the gospel. Why? Because he understood that the gospel was the power of God unto salvation. I am sure that there are many people in Scioto County that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I moved down here. I've told this story before, but I'm still appalled by it. I moved down here. Some, I'd been, we'd been down here, I don't know how many years, and one of the kids that was in our youth group when, when I was at Abundant Life was getting married, and he wanted me to officiate the wedding, and I met with a couple, and <clears throat> the girl that he was marrying was 18 years old. She had been in one church all of her life in Lavalette, West Virginia. 
And when I sat down with her and asked her and went over the gospel with her, she told me, I've never heard that before. 18 years in a church, what in the world could you talk about and not share the gospel? 18 years. I have encountered before people who have told me, oh, I go to church, I know that, and, and I talk to them about their salvation. Well, you know, I try to do, uh, you know, I try to do just as good as I can, and if I do, I figure if my good works outweigh my bad works, then, you know, God will have mercy on me and take me to heaven. Oh, that's out of the pit of hell. That's out of the pit of hell. I'm going to tell you right now, your bad works are going to outweigh your good works because you are lost. It's only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary that anyone has salvation. Not by our works. Our works are as filthy rags. Yet, what are we doing in churches? Let's get a bigger screen. Let's get a bigger stage, man. Come on now. How about a little dim the lights and a couple smoke machines? Disco lights, yeah. I've seen them. And let's get a hip young pastor up there in skinny jeans. And I'm, I'm just, if you're a man, you can't, you can't be walking with Christ wearing skinny jeans. I said it. Yes, I did say it. There is a line in the sand. And I didn't say you weren't saved. I just said you can't wear skinny jeans and be walking with the Lord. Yeah, I'm 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 sorry. But guys, listen. I listened to a fella this past week and I'm trying to learn to study the culture. I listened to a guy explain why the church has to have all these things to attract and reach people. That's so far from the early church. You know what the early church had? They had message and they had the power of God on their lives and they took that message to one person at a time and people believed and they were forever saved and changed we don't need the gimmickry we don't need the show What we need is to realize that we need to grow spiritually every day of our lives. The pastor especially, the deacons especially, the congregation especially, the teachers especially. We all need to be growing daily in our walk with the Lord. Guys, I I don't want to try to stand up here and convince you that you need to do what the Word of God says. I I want God's Spirit to work in you. You have the same Holy Spirit in you. And if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you know you should be growing spiritually. You know that. And we know 
That the gospel is central to everything we do. And thus, I'm going to preach it every day of my life. I'm reminding myself every day of my life, I need the glorious gospel. It's not because I'm good. I'm not good. Nine out of ten times, ten out of ten times, if I'm left to myself in the flesh, I'm going to choose the flesh. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I want us to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the great preachers I love, who's very matter of fact, someone came to him and was coming to visit his church and said, I would like to know your vision. And the wise older pastor handed the man the word of God and he said, this is my vision. I love it. You know how much time I wasted? The deacons probably could laugh at me and tell you stories. I would come with these well-crafted vision statements we were going to do. And it didn't last till the end. I forgot it by the end of the deacons meeting. It was very impactful, wasn't it? The church that glorifies God, as in Paul's instructions and writings right here. Listen to verse 18. For I will not dare speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. Oh, Paul's saying, listen, anything I've done apart from Christ is not worthy of even talking about. It's only those things done in Christ. Verse 17, therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. Why? Because he understood what it was for a ministry to glorify God. And for a ministry to glorify God, the church had to be growing spiritually. It had to be preaching the gospel. It had to be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it had to be actively pursuing lost people. That's a church that glorifies God. And you know what? The Apostle Paul says this. He says this, I will not even speak, I don't even dare speak of anything, those things that I did apart from Jesus Christ. We're not going to be up in eternity saying, hey, do you remember when Alabama beat Ten- or Tennessee beat Alabama? I know you Ohio State fans, y'all getting uncomfortable when I messed up, but I meant Tennessee. That stuff's not going to matter. You know what? There's today. That was yesterday. And that excitement only lasts till today. Now we're on to something else. Let me tell you something that lasts forever. When you set on a path of growth to become like Jesus Christ, you say, Lord, you know, I'm going to commit, I, I, I'm going to commit my life to being full of an upright heart, to being filled with knowledge of you. I want to know you, Lord, and the things I do, I want to do because I know you and I love you because you're magnificent because the more you know of Jesus, the more you're going to love of him. I want to be filled with that knowledge. I want to grow spiritually. That's what it means to grow spiritually. 
And I'm going to preach the gospel to everyone that I can, even myself. I'm going to preach it. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and someone will say something and say, let me tell you something. I, I was doing this. And you know what changed me? One day someone told me that Jesus died for me on the cross and that uh, he was buried and he arose from the grave and that if I would believe in him, I would be changed. We can work the gospel into every day of our lives, to every conversation. There was a fellow being interviewed after a big win not too long ago, and I'm going to say his name. And the woman asked a question, and he answered. his answer had nothing to do with her question. He said, first of all, I would like to give thanks to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Very explicitly. He didn't say, I want to give all glory to God. Anybody can say that. He said, I want to thank my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't call him your Lord unless you believe in him. He worked it in. You can work the gospel in. And you can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. But see, you have to empty you of you. You've got to pour you out so you can be full of Him. Right? I mean, nobody's going to mix milk and apple juice. Or if you do, I would question what you had before to drink. But anyways... Um, you got to empty the one before you can be filled with the other. And we need to have a compassion for lost people. I have a desire, a dream, that in this church no one sits alone. That if we would so love people, that we would see someone come into our fellowship that was alone, that we would offer them to sit with us. That we would show people the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Whoever they are, no one sits alone. Nobody walks alone in this church. We love each other. We encourage each other. We're there for each other. And I believe we do a good job at that, but we could always get better. Let's be the church that glorifies God. We don't need advertisement. We don't need commercials. You start operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. You start growing spiritually. You start preaching the gospel to yourself every day. And you start reaching the lost. People will take note. People will take note. But more importantly, listen to me. God will take note. And He is more important than anyone. Would you join me in prayer?